Hey guys, welcome to Layers of Design, a podcast where we'll be sharing stories and experiences from different designers in the design field. My name is Ebehi Jerere, and I'll be your host. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. Hey guys, so welcome to the second episode of Layers of Design. Today, I have a very dear friend, Daniela Green Lemons. <laughs> so we've known each other for five to seven years now. A little while, yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, she's someone that I really enjoy having conversation with. She is a great designer. Oh, thank she's you. a great listener. And she's just a beautiful person inside and out. So I thought it would be right to have my first guest be her. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I really won't do her justice by introducing her so i'm oh. just gonna <laughs> let her <laughs> go ahead and introduce herself um so yeah danny tell us a bit about yourself yeah well i think you summed it up great um <laughs> i'm daniela i'm um i'm a designer and i consider myself an activist and an artist and okay. so i try to incorporate that into my love of architecture Okay. Um what so what got you um started with architecture? What got you thinking about architecture and design as a whole? That's a good question. I've I've always been super creative okay. and uh when I was growing up I wanted to do a million things that were related to creativity and design. I started out really passionate about like fashion and oh, wow. fashion design. And then I kind of thought like, well, I don't know, maybe interior design. Mm -hmm. I used to watch a lot of um, HGTV with my parents. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like almost by, almost by like osmosis. Okay. But like they loved the interior design show, so I would watch it with them. But I mean, it was great. You know, they talk about color and, and expression, self-expression through um, creating an interior space. And so for a minute there, um, again, when I was a teenager, I was like, yeah, it's super like interiors for me. That's what I'm going to do. Um, mm. and then I, I knew a couple folks, uh, friends of my parents who were like, no, you should do architecture, not just interior design. Like architecture will allow you to do interior design mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. to do the whole scope. And that really stuck with me. Um, and so from there, yeah, that's kind of where I was like, oh, I don't know. I didn't even really know what architecture Archi was. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. But it was like something I latched on to because that was the buzzword, I think, of like, oh, your interiors? Nah, like, do architecture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing, against <interior. laughs> Nothing against interior design. Interior designers are great. But yeah, that was my Interesting. thing. Yeah, I think there's definitely that um, overlay with, you know, architecture and interior. So Yeah, for sure. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about three main things. Okay. Right? So our focus is going to be first about our first year in design school. Mm -hmm. You know, when we just entered the design world. And then we're also going to talk about our last year in design school. Oh. And the transition or like the start to the yeah. transition into the real world and, yeah, you know, sure. the design world. So. Yeah. Wow, great. <laughs> yeah, so share with me your oh, my first, first year. Yeah, your first oh experience. God. <laughs> oh, gosh. I think as everyone probably can attest to this, if you've been to any architecture school, mm -hmm. first year was extremely difficult. And I mean, 
it was difficult in the sense for me personally because of the workload and because of the type of work that we were doing. Mm -hmm. So whereas like other majors were like writing papers, we were like in the studio building models, trying to manipulate space and and create (laughs) concepts. And we thought we knew what we were doing. But but you know what? It was like (laughs) it was so fitting to me because I'm I mean, I'm, I'm also a poet. So I had, um, I was really lucky that I had, my first year teacher was um, Felice Grodin. Okay. She's an, an, a trained architect and artist. And I mean, she really sort of nailed it on the poetic side for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so when we had our first couple studio sessions, I was like, oh, I'm super into this. She was talking about like all this crazy stuff, like... Like, I don't know, weaving space and sewing space and, and shapes and shades. And I was like, oh, I'm here for it. My little 18 year old self. I just latched on, you know, because she she was speaking my language uh-huh. and her whole energy and vibe. I could just I could rock with it. And she understood me. And so she I think she saw that I was kind of getting it from the poetic side. Mm-hmm. And she really nurtured that. And so. First year was tough because one of the things that was, like, super hard for me was, like, my first critique. Man, I was crushed. It was the the cube design. Oh, yeah. And my concept for the cube was, like, seaming and weaving space. Yeah. And coming up with a, a physical system that expressed that idea super hard. And it was hard because it was subjective. Like, what did that really mean to me? And so I remember, like, my first critique, I was so crushed. And the guy didn't even say anything. Like, in retrospect, in hindsight, he didn't even say anything awful. He was just like, oh, I think in some areas your cube shows this successfully. And then in others, I'm just confused. I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. The first critique for me, too, was, was really rough. Honestly, it probably wasn't that rough. Just at the time, I thought I had completely bombed the cube design. Yeah, I, of course. I really enjoyed that project, though. Yeah, I think it it it, it lets opens you. Your mind. Yes, exactly. That's it. It it really opens your mind yeah. to, I guess, what design is yeah, right off sure. the bat. So you mentioned that you're a poet. Mm-hmm. What other, I guess, artistic talents do you have? <laughs> um, well, it's funny because I feel like my artist side was nurtured in architecture school interesting because um you know growing up I did I was always into writing and Mm -hmm. so I did write poetry a lot yeah you're a beautiful writer thank you (laughs) I appreciate that I I received that um well now now I'm I'm into like painting and kind of the expression of watercolor and sort of playing around with that medium so I do I do a lot a number of things um Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Okay. So last year in in architecture school, in design school, because I mean, so interesting. Through, yeah, Yeah. right? The years between are equally as important because I feel those years really nurtured us and gave us a sense of what we would like to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What we would like to do outside of school, Mm -hmm. you know? We started kind of getting the idea of how we want to be as designers. Yeah. But I think the first and the last year are really key because that's when we first get introduced to design and then the world. Yeah. You know? No, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. So, like, for for me personally, um, my last year was intense. Mm. It was intense because it's almost like I got down my concepts, Mm. right? But 
it was the execution because I, I was always the hardest part. Yeah. I was trying to meet this expectation Mm -hmm. that I had of myself and the expectation I felt that, you know, after five years of design school, I should, I should be at a certain level. So I was trying to reach that expectation for myself. And so that, that made it really intense, Mm -hmm. especially because of the thesis project and just the whole idea of, you know, what am I going to do next? Am I going to work? (laughs) <laughs> you know, am I going to work right after? What kind of designer am I going to be? Yeah. And also, because, you know, I'm an in- I was an international student. Yeah, so that's true. That and was figuring out what hard... that meant for you job-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that was, that, that was, that's part of my experience with the yeah. last year. You know, I yeah. think it's going to have to be a whole other episode mm. on kind of how I just took on that last year. Yeah, you know, I almost, of course. I not almost. I completely blocked out Every, like everything else. Everything, you know. Yeah. I think that was actually the point where I really stopped relaxing. Mm. I kind of lost my hobbies. Yeah. I was just really into <clears throat> getting school done with yeah. and figuring out what was next. Which like survival mode. Exactly. Yeah. But it's funny because I feel I should have really cherished that year more. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I, I don't actually regret, you know, all of the hard work that mm-hmm. I put into the last year. What was your project about? Um, your oh, thesis project. So it was actually about, I called it organized market. Ooh. So it was pretty much redefining or redesigning as well the markets in my village at home in Edo State. It was such a beautiful project. Yeah, it um, sounds beautiful. Yeah, so I had this whole concept mm-hmm. of improving the space, but by not necessarily changing what they have there because mm-hmm. people are already used to their environments. Mm-hmm. So I feel in order to bring something to them, mm-hmm. instead of just giving them something completely foreign, yeah, what you think right. is best Imposing for them. a language. Exactly. Uh-huh. So instead, I sort of worked around the culture and mm. what they were already used to. So... I really enjoyed the project. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I won. The yeah. I remember. <laughs> so, yeah. I was hoping you would say it again. <laughs> you know, say that you won, girl. <laughs> yeah, that was the highlight. That was the highlight. So, but yeah, tell me about your my last year. Yeah, your last year. Um, My last year was really interesting. So, I lived with my best friend, Jessica. Mm-hmm. We did our, our last year together and we had the same um, studio. Oh, wow. And so, a lot of our work was done in tandem. Um, and uh, it's interesting because my passion that I really nurtured nurtured there's a word again but like (laughs) the passion that I really like became obsessed with Mm -hmm. in architecture school was the understanding of the urban environment and the city and um just expression of people in place in larger environments besides just a building and so with my project um It was basically a proposal for a cultural arts complex in Havana, Cuba. Oh, I remember. On the bay. Yeah. yeah. And man, I tried to tackle a lot. I tried to design an education center, like some educational pavilions, scholar pavilions along the water's edge, a park. I, I designed like a museum. And it was all around this idea of bringing people, bringing people back to the historical um, the history of Havana. So hmm. like their history with the uh, Spaniard colonization and then even their relationship to the water, like to um, 
Savannah Bay. And so it was hard. It was really I mean, that's hard. a lot of program you tackled. Yeah. And I, it was just a, it wasn't really a project that was entirely developed. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the hardest things for me about my last year was that I didn't really have a sense of, I think you, like you were saying that you had a sense of drive and focus. Mm-hmm. I had that, but it was so hard to execute this hmm. thing that I was trying to to uncover. Like, what does it mean for me to be designing a cultural arts complex in a super cultural place? I mean, yeah. in Havana, where it's like, all, all you have to do is just sort of, you could put up a tent and, and, and a table and it would be like a cultural installation because of everything that they have going on there you know yeah. the language um the history and so so almost like know. how do you bring like the All culture together to, yeah. yeah and and then on top of that i felt a sense of pressure to represent my design well because my jury and the people who were advising the project were cubans and they were old guys oh wow they were <laughs> they were old <laughs> So they'd be like, I don't know, Daniela, I don't know about your idea. And I'm so like, so they need to either. connect with it. You were <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's it's almost it's so interesting what you said about it being careful not to impose a foreign mm-hmm. architectural language mm-hmm. on a place mm-hmm. that already has a sense of vibrance yeah. and and culture. And that's what I think I was like that's what I was kind of straddling with that project. And I think Jessica would say the same thing that we both kind of were trying to understand, well, what what would we want to see in a place like this as designers with the knowledge that we have? Mm-hmm. But also, is this a language architecturally that Cubans would enjoy? You know, would they enjoy coming to a cultural arts center about their own culture? You know, yeah. like... And especially if they can't relate with yeah, it, then exactly. it won't be successful. Right. So it was an interesting <laughs> project, so... I I would love to, you know to develop the idea like fully concretely, but mm-hmm. I almost feel like that never really happens in architecture school. <laughs> I know, I know, but you know, I feel there's also a sense of, I guess, peace mm. when you can just design you, and yeah. sketch and get those ideas out there. Yeah, you know, even sure. if it doesn't necessarily come to fruition. Yeah, there's just this. I don't know. It's yeah. peaceful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. Okay, so your transition into the real world. How was that? Oh, well, my transition was pretty interesting. I, While I was working on my thesis, we were, um, as I said earlier, we were working with Cuban architects. Mm-hmm. And so we worked with a local corporate firm in South Miami. And my professor, my thesis professor basically offered me a position at that corporate office to work in their marketing department. That's fantastic. Yeah, because he knows that I love writing Mm -hmm. and that was the thing for me. He was like, well, you know, the principal architect who's one of your advisors for your thesis, he's been really wanting to do a coffee table book of all of the the firm's work over the past 70 years. They've been around for a very long time. And so... My first, it wasn't my first architecture job, but it was my second architecture job right after school, mm-hmm. like right into the real world, real world. as they say. Your first real world yeah. job, quote And unquote. it was, it was a cool <laughs> job. Like marketing is, is such a different yet similar vein to architecture. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I love, uh, loved about that job was that it helped me to really hone in on my graphic sensibility. Wow. 
and and to combine two things that I enjoy writing and design. And so I worked that job for about six months mm-hmm. and I kind of went into like hyperdrive mode of like, what am I going to do after this? Like, <laughs> where am I going to go? Because yeah. also I, I'm going to be quite honest with you. The the hardest thing for me as a designer in and in, in being in like a company sense uh-huh. is that people automatically, especially if it's a corporate company, they're like, wow, you speak well, you relate to people well, so you should do human resources. You should just stay in marketing. But I like, uh, uh-uh, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that you mentioned that Girl. because I feel those are strong qualities of a good designer. Mm. Like you should be able to relate well with yeah, people. I, I, agree I mean, with you. after mm-hmm. all, we design for people, mm-hmm. you know, so if you can't relate. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally agree. But I don't think people even perceive architects as speakers, hmm. you know, unless they're ac- academics, you know, and giving talks and writing and all that. But I had the experience of, of feeling pigeonholed that Oof. I had done. I know that. Feeling. Yeah. And it was awful <laughs> because a- after a certain point, I figured, well, you know, I'm working at this corporate architecture mm-hmm. firm. I liked the people that I was working with. And so I interviewed with them, even though I had done my master's thesis and they had seen my work over the course of a semester, mm-hmm. I interviewed with them at least twice and I mean, they kind of just laughed at my portfolio. It was a really weird experience for me because one of the things that I took away from interviewing with that particular firm was that it wasn't, they weren't speaking the same design language as Mm. me. That, okay, that's a a corporate firm and yes, they do architecture, but it's not my type of architecture. And so... The difference was that, you know, I was like a, this poetic, graphic design you know, intellectual. I don't, I don't want to sound like elitist, but like that's who I am as a designer. That I bring a layer of depth of like, how are we impacting the people? What's going on in the city? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does this mean socially? Like, what's the social impact? And, and that wasn't the place for me. And so, you know, being pigeonholed and, and they told me like, no, we actually would really just hire you to do business development because you're so good at managing like people. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that, Mm-mm. you know? And, and so that was like a, what you like a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very interesting that you said that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I also got that same feeling of being pigeonholed. Yes. I've gotten it several times yeah. actually. But the first job I had right off of college was actually, I was working in this small firm Mm -hmm. and the designs were amazing because we were allowed to express ourselves in, in different ways, you know, um, our boss was really open to us expressing ourselves, but the downside was the pay. Mm. It was, I mean, it was $500 a month. So, you know, I had to look elsewhere because I got to eat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, this is my aunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, th- that, I guess that was my first design job. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then after that, I, I struggled a lot. Yeah. Just finding. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I struggled a lot in that first couple of, I guess, four to six months. Yeah. I moved back home, which mm. was great. Yeah. But I feel I didn't get the chance to really, um, to be challenged. Not even to be challenged. I mean, like, I didn't get the chance to really enjoy being home after graduation oh. because I was so focused on not having a job. I see. Who's going to hire me? Am yeah. I good enough? So that's yeah. actually when 
everything started going down for me in terms of self-esteem and how I saw myself as a designer. Because, girl, I sent out so many applications. I can't even tell you how many. I can relate to that. (laughs) No, I I, I know the struggle. It's crazy because I would get, there were some times I would get calls Mm -hmm. and interview requests. And the one key thing that was shut, that they were shutting me down was because of my papers. Because really? I was an international, international. student, no matter the... Even quali- though we live in an international city. I know. That's it, interesting. The irony, right? Yeah. Hmm. No matter my qualifications, right? Because, girl, I brushed up on my Revit skills. Oh, I became I Revit did. certified. Yes. I brushed up everything. Uh-huh. But no one was hiring. Anyway, you know, I got my first taste, I guess, of a real job, mm-hmm. like six months after graduation. Um. Yeah. It was going great at yeah. first because mm-hmm. I'm super excited to learn all these new things. Yeah. Oh my God, super grateful. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be forever grateful to that firm because yeah. they they took a chance on me, I would say. Mm. After some time, I feel I got pigeonholed and I, I kind of got you locked shrunk. up. Yeah. yeah. Because of my self-esteem and uh, just no, the I- fear of... <laughs> Not being able to find another job. Yeah, no, I understand. And I tried applying because I wasn't gaining anything out of the firm after some time. Right. I mean, that's another whole podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) What am I learning here? (laughs) No, seriously, because I mean, from that firm alone, I learned learned how to... I almost want to say I learned what my worst is at this time. What do you mean by that? But like how I treat myself when I'm really down and how I treat the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. So just with the experiences from there, I think I learned exactly these things that, Oh, it was shut down completely. I have no idea how I, I mean, I know how I got back up my support system. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Because without them, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, after a whole year and a half, I finally stood up, and packed my bags yeah. and I had <laughs> I was ready to lose everything I, I know you told for me for my yeah. emotional and my mental health yes. yeah and girl yeah. you won't believe a couple of months <laughs> after that first of all I got the job I prayed for oh, right yeah. so yeah. that's that's going great right yeah, now yeah but a couple of months after I left there you won't believe just the hardship yeah just getting back into the flow of you know believing in myself again being confident yeah and especially when i'm hearing things like people saying oh she's why is she trying to portray herself as a victim (gasps) yeah oh man but Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i I have to really kind of dig into that for a moment because Mm -hmm. i feel like this is something this is something that really has always upset me. Mm-hmm. It's like how people say, well, like, don't pity yourself mm-hmm. or like you're just feeling sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, you're just going through a really hard time, you know? Yes. And especially with the design world, I mean, it's ultra competitive. But something that you said earlier that really resonated with me about being pigeonholed is that I think in our field, 
people have a tendency to only value you for what they think you're worth to them. Yes. <laughs> Not <laughs> like, what you're actually want. Exactly. Like, yeah. for example, like you, you have Revit skills, you're Revit certified. Like those are extremely valuable. But what about the presence you bring to the office? Mm-hmm. What about the spirit that you bring to a team, the dynamic? What about your, yeah, your ability to co-work and, and your ingenuity, like thinking of new ideas, like those are things that are extremely valuable that someone with a, a thousand, I don't know how many skill sets, you know, you can, you can memorize or, or learn how to do a million things in the design world, you know, no grasshopper and all these things. But when it comes to being an employee, right, and, and working with other people, there are many qualities that are highly valuable outside of simply what you can produce. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, that's where that's where it hits your self-esteem. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, what am I doing in this field? <laughs> like, am I even able to like, am I am I good enough? Like, I, I resonate with that so much of like, what do I have to offer? And and then that's when you start feeling really low and you mm-hmm. just shrink back. And, you start looking within to see yeah. what the problem is. Exactly. You're like, what's wrong with me? And even even the way that um even the way that employers, and I'm, I'm going to say black women in the design world, I don't know if people are ready for the de- the type of designers that we are. Girl, I don't think people are ready for black women. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, <laughs> we're coming in hot. <laughs> I mean, if that, that's the truth, if I ever heard it. And, and the thing is, and, and my parents had to point it out to me. I'm sure, I know you've even said this to me before too, but like, outside folks as as our support system pointing out to us like hey actually people are intimidated by you yeah and see you as a threat yeah and that was something that for me was like why wait why would anybody be intimidated by me like i'm trying to be everybody's friend i'm just trying to i'm smile. agreeable <laughs> just trying to wake up in the morning have a good day lord like <laughs> why would anybody be intimidated by me but i don't think I don't think it takes a minute to see, to learn how to see yourself, not just the way that other people see you, but to learn how to cherish yourself as a designer. And, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm a designer, but I have such a, such an analyst analytical lens on design Mm -hmm. that's from the macro perspective. And so like, even like in a job hunt, like I had to learn like, well, you know, I do know how to use Revit. I know how to use Photoshop, but actually my number one skill is analysis. I'm super good at analyzing and research. And I'm like, oh shit, those are skills. (laughs) (laughs) No, really? I'm like, whoa, those are also skills. And like learning, like you were saying, like how to rebuild that internal sense of who you are that it's so important totally it's extremely important and one thing i've taken away from all of these experiences so far yeah and i mean like i said we're only get just getting started (laughs) i can't even imagine the road ahead (laughs) right but one thing i've taken away is my mental and emotional health come first yeah no like say it again one more time (laughs) my mental and emotional health comes first first. they do because if you if if you don't believe in yourself and if you don't think high of yourself 
Yeah. You're not going to execute your best. You're not yeah. going to be your best. But I, I would even say people, especially in, in the American work world, mm-hmm. people resent you when you know how to care for and nurture yourself. People are like, oh, you're just a millennial. You don't want to work hard. You playing a victim. And it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, girl, if you I'm, playing a victim. That that slashed me. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was already getting healed. <laughs> I was on my healing oh my journey. <laughs> And then they hit me with, she's playing a victim. That's horrible. But it hit me the most because... It's horrible. It's It came from so far. Yeah. I, I would say that period was my hardest time, right? Yeah, of course. And as being a designer, mm-hmm. I feel like I lost a part of me, mm-hmm. you know? And just for someone yeah. to say that, it's just... You, do, you don't understand that, I, and that why am I playing the victim, but you know? The, but the implication there, I think, is especially hurtful. Because it implies that you don't actually have anything to feel badly about. Exactly. That I should just accept my... Thank you. I should accept my situation Mm -mm. the way it is. No. No, If you don't like your situation, stand up and change it. I agree. You stand up and change it. Yeah. And I I even think like, yeah, when it comes to learning how to care for yourself, especially in the work sense, it's like, I I had to understand that there wasn't anything wrong with me. That like, because Mm -hmm. I wanted to value my time and even, even understanding that in order for me to produce, right? Because designers, that's what we do. We produce, 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 and we'll always produce. Mm -hmm. But in order for me to produce and to produce well, I have to take care of myself. You do. I can't be depressed. I mean, I can be and maybe make some real sad designs, but who who wants (laughs) to experience that? that? Who wants that? You know? And and I think that there's something to be said about designers who are willing to take care of ourselves. It's such a it's such a hard profession. Yeah. Because it is. It is you know, very we get hard. criticized on a daily <laughs> basis. Ripped to shreds. And you say slash <laughs> slash <laughs> and I, Lord yeah. knows I'm my biggest um critic. Oh, me too. I am my totally. biggest critic. So yeah. just that internal criticism yes. and then the outside world. It's too much sometimes. Constantly, every single day yeah. we're we're putting our work there. Yeah. With with yeah. every line we draw. Yeah. You know, that's no, us. That's putting ourselves out there yeah that's true so and you gotta be strong it's hard not to take i know that the this is something that people um try to live by like Mm -hmm. not to take anything personally but in the design world it's just not possible it's hard it's like uh, you know when you design something whether it's a bathroom or you're designing a collect a collective meeting room for people to engage and do what they want it's it's your design mm-hmm. so how could you, you not put your energy it? your time yeah, exactly and and i think that what i what i did enjoy most about like architecture school mm-hmm. was the the critiques in hindsight i mean hindsight <laughs> is indeed 2020 because it was times where it's like you know architecture school is just so crazy because it's it's an intensity of like that you that you you spend so much time in the studio mm-hmm. And you're there with your friends, you know, you're working hard, but you're genuinely trying to really make your idea happen. Yeah. You know? And so learning in hindsight to appreciate a culture of critique, I think that's the hardest pill to swallow. It is. You know, it's it's like sometimes, I mean, 
at the last job I had, the work environment was like Devil Wears Prada. It was like, <laughs> oh my like, God. You know the movie with Meryl Streep? <laughs> yes. You know, it was like, if you didn't have the best design, it was like, oh, you're out. It was like, you're in and you're out. And I'm not used to that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm very much a an everybody's friend type of person. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to shake out of that. And in this new, you know, moving to a different job and, and just sort of thinking about what it means to be an architect or designer, you have to be willing to, to face the hard things that people will say about what you produce. Yeah. And sometimes people do not, I would say most of the time it is easy to discern, to decipher who's actually benefiting you with their critique. And who's just there as a naysayer because yep. they see your shine, you know? Ooh, people and, hate that shine. And for me, I'm like, I got shine. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I have shine. Like, let's do it, you know? I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I love what you said about, like, yeah, kind of just being being aware of your internal critical voice, you know? And n- knowing it's when so you turn it on and off and, yeah, totally. Yeah. Girl, we could go on and on. <laughs> um, but it's it's been great having you. Thank, Thank you so you. much yeah. for coming on and sharing a bit about yourself. You know, of course. Definitely this is not gonna be your last time. <laughs> Cause I feel like you have so many layers. Yeah. You know, oh, just... layers of design. Hey. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> but no, really, I feel you have so many layers being a black female designer in the states you know just working your way through yeah so yeah thank you so much daniela of course (laughs) my pleasure